Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. Welcome to another amazing conversation. Today, I have John Phillips, vice presidential candidate running with Kim Ruff for the presidential nomination from the Libertarian Party. And I am proud to announce that I will be supporting and rooting for the Ruff and Phillips 2020 campaign. I really hope they get the nomination because that's who I will be voting for in the 2020 elections. But before we get started with this conversation, I have some announcements to make. Let's start with the Patreon page. So I'm going to be suspending the Patreon page. It's just too much effort to try to keep it up and getting content in there, special content. And I don't do any justice for the two Patreons that I have. And I just figured I'm going to do something a little bit different where I can still show my gratitude to people that contribute to the podcast. I'm in the works of designing my own crowdfunding site and once I kind of get all the logistics and the designing done, then I will let you guys know. And that would be how you can pay for special content and other perks. But in the meantime, there are other ways to show your support, to contribute to the podcast and help me build a amazing platform for people to have amazing conversations where we're not fighting, we're not judging, we're not aggressively debating, just having a simple conversation. And those ways to contribute is you can donate through my website, paceandfreedom.webnode.com. There's also merchandise that you can purchase, and that will help contribute. You can also purchase coffee by going to anarchocoffee.com forward slash PIF. And Anarcho Coffee is amazing. I drink it every single day. It gets me energetic, upbeat, and I'm just excited for the day. I cannot function without my Anarcho Coffee, okay? I love the black and gold. My wife loves the mocha. And every night, I drink the... Uh, special decaf and that's amazing so with that said we're going to go into our pre-roll announcement which thanks for the feedback everybody i've heard that people love it and i hope that i can make more different types of announcements like that and ads if you want to become a sponsor again go to that website paceandfreedom.webnode.com Dot com you can become a sponsor and I will you can sponsor one episode you can sponsor the entire podcast you can sponsor the website and I will help promote and create amazing ads for your business uh, your cause whatever the case may be just contact me through the website all right let's go into the pre-roll and then we're going to go into the amazing conversation that I had with John Phillips and here we go Hey, James, what you got there? Oh, just CBD gummy bears. Gummy bears with CBD, you mean? How do they smell? Just like candy, but with just CBD. Here, let me smell them. 
Oh, they do smell like candy. Yeah, it's my daily supplement that helps me with creativity and helps me focus on my conversations with guests and listeners. Check it out. JustCBDStore.com and check out all of their amazing products. All right, I'm pulling it up right now. Just make sure to use my 20% off discount code, PIF. Welcome to Pace and Freedom Podcasts. I have today with me John Phillips from the Rough and Phillips campaign, vice president candidate. And it's such an honor and privilege to have you on my show. Thank you for having me. I'm still used to people saying talking to me is an honor, honestly. So I'm still used to that. (laughs) Well, it is. You know, I watched the debate, the first uh, libertarian debate. Uh, I believe you had a debate not too long ago as well, correct? I think uh, I, I did. I, um, it was more of a, I, uh, I filled in for Kim at, in Missouri, yes. uh, the, as opposed to an actual debate. So I was actually debating the presidential candidates. But... Nice. <laughs> hey, well, that's, and that's how it, uh, feels like it should be between like presidential and vice president candidates, you know, running mace is one should be backing up one another and helping each other out. And I think that's awesome. That just kind of goes to show what your, uh, presidency would be like, you know, more of this almost uh, co-ownership of uh, responsibilities. Yeah, Kim and I make a great team and we, we work very well together. And honestly, it's to the point where we very rarely even have to ask each other an opinion on something. Nice. Because we, we're just so insane. So. That is great. That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay, well, obviously, my name's John Phillips. Uh, I'm 47 years old. I've been a, you know, a small L libertarian since the mid nineties. Uh, followed the, um, actually started following politics in the mid eighties when I was in school and I started drawing political cartoons and things like that. Uh, bounced around. Um, I've actually been to both Republican and Democrat conventions, though I never belonged to either party. The, uh, because honestly, I never, felt at home with them because you know i didn't agree with that one party on one thing and i didn't agree with the other party on the other and i was going what's going on well it just turned out that they both wanted too much government was really what the issue was once i figured that out finding my home here was pretty simple uh i've been uh, actively involved for several years uh you know my activism actually started before that i was a hemp and marijuana activist for close to 30 years I uh, worked on several campaigns, uh, formed my own county chapter here in 2016. Wow. Uh, and it's uh, just gone crazy from there. So that's great. And so, you know, I hear that a lot from a lot of people that um, y- even my story is, you know, I was uh, I, my younger self was and I'm still, I guess, young, but, you know, and uh, I was a Republican very i considered myself conservative and now looking back i think i was more of a nail conservative but like you said i've never really felt comfortable i guess would be my word with being a republican uh you know my family for the most part were all republicans and they had these very deep ingrained uh conservative values and there were certain things i just didn't feel comfortable with that i felt like well why cannot you know, two guys uh, get married? Why can't two women get married? Or why can't, you know, somebody smoke weed? You know, I I never really felt comfortable with the whole, oh, they're just not allowed to do that. And I think it reached to a point where 
It was during, um, oh, I want to say, no, it wasn't Ron Paul. It was uh, Gary Johnson's first time running for president as a libertarian that kind of sparked my interest into the libertarian views and libertarian ideology. And that's where I became a small L and, but wasn't very comfortable joining the big L, the, the libertarian party. And, um, you know, one of the things that I guess is getting me to that point is kind of your campaign, uh, Russ and the rough Phillips campaign. Um, that debate where Kim was with the very first debate that Kim was, and that's what got me convincing. And you guys, I did more research. I looked up your guys' website and I just kind of fell in love with both of you. Uh, you know, as far as, um, that's who I would like to support becoming president and vice president. You're going to make me blush over here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I do it all the time. Uh, you know, that was the same thing with, uh, Cash Jackson when I had him on. He was, you know, I just bunch of praise for him, which he was running for governor. Cash is and a good friend. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. He's a good friend. I helped work his campaign. I set up several events for him here in, in my hometown. Yeah. Um, and he and I are still friends. I still t- yeah, touch base with him here and there. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Me and him actually, uh after our, our episode together you know we still keep in contact and uh, i i look up to the guy he's uh definitely a, a great mentor so both of us being navy veterans kind of helped click there as well so i wanted to touch base on you said you debated and i didn't get to watch that debate yet it's my goal to uh watch your debate with the other uh nominees or candidates um in the libertarian party so my thing with the other candidates is I don't feel like they take it as serious as you and Kim do. The whole campaigning, the whole trying to get the nomination and actually run for um, the the office. And that's the problem that a lot of people see when it comes to looking at the Libertarian Party as a serious uh, opponent to the other two parties is that they don't feel that the other candidates take it seriously enough. They do certain things that are just kind of a little bit wacky sometimes. So your strategy is a bit different. You're looking at the issues. You're coming up with some really decent policies. I've read a few of the uh, the platform. The platform. There you go. Uh, and it all makes sense to me. And, you know, I want to just show it to people so that way they can, like, see, say, wow, this is a serious team here that actually wants to do something. I get that the other candidates do want to do something as well, but you guys actually have a plan. So let's talk a little bit about that plan that you guys have once you make it to the uh, the White House. Uh, let's start with immigration, which is a big, t- a hot topic for me. Uh, so let's talk about immigration. Uh, first of all, let's I mean, let's start with historical immigration. Everybody thinks you know the, this whole oh, but they should only come here legally thing, right? They, that's the biggest objection here over and over and over and over. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Up until very recently, historically, coming here legally was as simple as taking a boat or walking across the border. Um, you know, everybody thinks about Ellis Island style. Well, you know, Ellis Island was only for the poor people. Uh, and even they approved 98% of the people that came through. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you try and come legally, depending on what country you're like, there's all kinds of stupid rules. Uh, like, you can only have 7% of the immigrants from any one country. And it doesn't matter the size of the country. Wow. So 
a little tiny country with a population of a million gets the same percentage of the total immigration that China gets or India Jeez. gets. Uh, the, you know, those kind of things. So, I mean, it's just crazy. And then there's the, the lottery, which doesn't work. And then there's, oh, you have to get a work, you know, if you get a work visa and you have to get a work visa, you have to be sponsored. Okay. Hey, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's not, but uh, it's a lot harder than people make it sound. But realistically, there I'll make the family ones. So that's that's the ones that everybody worries about the most. Right. People are first of all, you can't you can't bring over your cousins and your brother and your cousin's brother and all that. That's not legal at all. Right. Um, you can't sponsor them. You can only sponsor sponsor a close family member, and close family members can wait decades. There, I mean, it is literally true that right now, from certain countries like India, if you're trying to get your wife over or your husband or your kid or your parents it could be 40 years or longer um so this whole let them come legally well yeah we i would i kind of see your point i i I know where you're coming from but they can't come here legally so it's still stupid right the uh, you know um you know and i shouldn't say stupid it's still wrong uh but you know what happened to bring us our your poor your tired your huddled masses you know, for years and years and years, people were just able to come in. And even back then, there was always somebody, oh, well, you know, let's not let the Germans in because we don't agree with what they've got to say. And this was back right. in the early 1800s. Oh, let's not let, not let the Irish in. They're all, you know, poor and destitute and not worth for anything but indentured servitude. I mean, you know, the, uh, but they came in and they did great things. I mean, we've got Albert Einstein. We've got, I mean, you could just list off immigrants after immigrants after immigrants that did great things for our country. Absolutely. And yet we're just going to shut the door. And let's be real. I mean, unless you're a Native American, you're an immigrant anyway. Exactly. Or at least descended from one. Absolutely. As I was saying, immigration for me is such a hot topic. My mom is from Spain. She's an immigrant here. Uh, and my wife, she's from Mexico. She's an immigrant here. And I just see like just them two, the struggles that they have to stay in this country is just ridiculous, right? It's a, yeah, they have to jump through hoops every year. John Oliver just did a great show on it, by the way, if you haven't watched it, uh, two weeks ago, he did a, he did a, a thing on, on immigration, talked about a lot of the same points we talked about. Um, and I actually tweeted at him. I was like, Hey, that's a great episode. Um, you cover a lot of our talking points. Um, you also, he also covered the Russian interference in their own election, the mayoral oh, wow. campaign in Moscow and how they threw people off the ballot and stuff like that. Right. And so I was like, Hey, that was a great episode. Why don't you cover that about how the Democrats and Republicans do that here? Right. They do it to each other. Uh, I actually had a pretty good episode on, on that Russian interference and it was very educative. And, uh, I had a, a friend of mine who is in IT and really understood the topic. So, and, what I was, that was actually interference in their own election. That wasn't interference in oh, really? that was in theirs. Yeah, well, that was in their own election. They 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 had a mayoral campaign in Moscow, and they threw and they were and the parties threw, the party threw people off the ballot. They had, right. and tried to keep people off the ballot in Moscow, and uh, so they were weren't people weren't able to vote who they wanted, just like the problems we face every exactly. year. Exactly. I was going to say we we face that right here with you know the libertarians game bumped off the ballots and getting hurdles put in front of us to be on televised debate. So, mm-hmm. you know, it happens here and I think definitely be covering 
that in our news media, how these injustices, as I see it, happen to third parties. Um, yeah, I actually just, uh, um, I had to, I was very nice about it. Um, I had interviewed on our local radio station just uh, this weekend. And when they posted the um, video, uh, and of course, you know, it's like any interview, they did a 30 minute interview and used 20 seconds. But uh, they, uh, um, they gave a synopsis and they used one of my quotes in the synopsis, but they misquoted. Um, and I talked about it because I talked about how I'd helped form this coalition between actually the Central Illinois Democrat Social, Democratic Socialists, the Libertarians, the Republicans, Democrats. I mean, I, I formed this coalition with all these different right. groups. And, um, and, you know, they used that quote in the interview and that's great because it mentions libertarians, uh, but in the synopsis, which a lot of people don't take time to watch the video, they just read this quick synopsis. It just says Republicans and Democrats. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, and so I was like, Hey man, that, that's not really cool. Can we, can we get that fixed? Because, you know, they're, I said the Democrats and Republicans are actually the smallest part of this coalition. So. <laughs> That is awesome that you're you're doing that. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that coalition? Oh, sure. It's uh, it's all right. So in my in Illinois, just recently passed a law to legalize marijuana in the state, effective January first. But in that law, they allowed cities to opt out of allowing businesses in their city. They 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 can't make it illegal in their city, but they can say, okay, we're we're not gonna allow marijuana based businesses in our city. Okay, and uh, our city had a uh, had a special meeting to hear the voices of the people. They claimed, well, you know, it was person after person after person in favor, and I, it was easily ninety percent of the people were in favor. Right. Uh, but the truth was is that all they all had their minds made up already, and they didn't listen, and they voted to opt out. And uh, so I was there speaking out with, uh, and, you know, speaking my piece, and I was quite vociferous actually you can, there's live streams of it out there but the uh, uh but i'm there and i'm talking to people and the uh, central illinois democratic socialists are sitting there with me and i'm actually sitting next to uh a guy who bounces back and forth between them and the libertarian party he can't make up his mind <laughs> and uh he ran for he actually ran for mayor uh last elected the last local election and uh so I'm listening to them talk, and I'm like, "Man, that's a good job. You guys, you guys really present the point well." And they said, "Well, we really like what you have to say." And we and uh, and next thing you know, we're forming a coalition to get a referendum on the ballot to go against the city council. Nice. And so, uh, you know, and so we've got uh, it's the Libertarian Party of Macon County, the Central Illinois uh, Democratic Socialists. Um, I just talked to the progressive the local progressive group this weekend, and they want to join. Uh, we've got the local Black Chamber of Commerce wants to, is 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 in on it. Uh, we've got uh, a fair number of people from the Democratic Party in it, and we've even like uh, we've even got some of the Republicans in on it because wow. even the Republican a lot of the Republicans that are going well, I'm not really in favor of smoking weed, are going, but it's going to be legal anyway. So why would we turn down the the business and the revenue? Right. See, and this is what I'm talking about. Like with you and Kim, you know, you guys are really taking things and actions that are productive and serious and actually taking steps to get people together and support libertarian ideas and doing it kind of, you know, playing their game, right? Getting things onto the ballots, getting referendums drafted. That's things that I feel that are more productive than going on a stage naked and making a scene, right? And... 
<laughs> uh, but, you know, I was talking with Dennis Lambert in one of my episodes about, you know, forming these coalitions, these type of coalitions where Green Party can get with the Libertarian Party and with other third parties and do things like these. And this will actually, you know, draw the attention of the average voter to these third parties a lot better than going alone. And, and it's it's and it's a habit we all get into, and I fight myself on it all the time. Uh, we get in the habit of, oh, the Democrats suck, or the Republicans suck, or the Green Party sucks. And I, in some cases, we don't even agree on the end goal. But in a lot of cases, you know, like let's say Medicare for all, right? Okay, um, or you know, healthcare. Let's just say healthcare because that's about. Um, we all agree that people should have access to affordable health care. Right. We just disagree how to get them. So that doesn't make these people suck. That just means that they've got different ideas. And, hey, maybe we're right. I believe we're right because anybody who studies history shows that a lot of the, you know, when the government gets involved, things get screwed up. Right. But uh, the, but just telling them that they're dumb and, and, and yelling at them and, oh, we just can't work together on anything. Well, that's what gives us the Republicans, and the Democrats that we've got right now. Exactly. And, uh, so I'm, I'm it's still a work in progress. I'm trained, but I'm working very hard to not at least collectivize like that. And so if I go after a Democrat or go after a Republican, I try and go after them individually rather than just say, okay, the Democratic party sucks. Right. You know, because there's lots of, there's lots of good people out there who are Democrats. And it's not that they, are bad people. It's just that they may not, you know, they, you know, they're getting told all these things over and over and over. And it doesn't matter that they're not really accurate, but they've heard, they've heard it so many times that it's hard. You've got to overcome that. Right. And it, it's like the, like the war on drugs. Uh, you know, they have been preached at, preached at, preached at that drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Okay. Well, Hey, drugs may or may not be bad. But the effect of them being illegal is worse. Absolutely. And, uh, and so you have to overcome those years of conditioning and, uh, you're not going to do that by calling them idiots. And exactly. You know, I'm as guilty, I'm as guilty as anybody sometimes. I, you know, I hate to admit that, but I am, uh, I'm learning and getting better at that. Well, and, and you uh, have to think about it. Obviously it's starting to work. Right. No, and I agree. And it is working. And, you know, you have to look at it from the voters perspective the voters view if they see all you're doing is calling democrats you know idiots or evil then what's the incentive of a democrat voter voting for a libertarian or any other party for that matter they're calling me an idiot why would i vote for that person yeah and the other thing i've tried to i've tried to make started to make a distinction between the party and the people exactly um I, you know, hey, the Democratic Party is doing bad things. Democratic people are just people. Right. And, uh, the, and, you know, the Democratic Party is, you know, an example of, hey, you know, the th- same thing that a lot of people hate is, you know, big business, buying votes, all those kind of things, as is the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not trying to pick on the Democratic Party versus the Republican Party. Um, you know, I, I don't care for either one of them, but they, uh, so if you make that distinction, and because a lot of Democrats can say, okay, you're right, I don't agree with the things our party has been doing. 
Right. Um, you know, the, and they start and they, and so if you make that distinction is if you're careful, you can make a lot, you know, they, you can start going, okay, yeah, I see that because you're right. I, I don't like the Demo- you know, the fact that the Democrats were pro war under Obama, but not under Trump. Right. Or, you know, and the, uh, and I, you know, I think the Democratic Party should be consistently not, um, anti war. And so you can get people to see that and, and it makes a lot better. Uh, impact a lot bigger impact. Right. Sort of yeah. And so I'm, you know, like I said still a work in progress. I, uh, my communications director gives me a little grief every now and then <laughs> about sometimes I get a little aggressive and, you know, I, I take it to heart because, you know, it, it really does make a difference when you approach it the right way. Absolutely. And, you know, people are a lot more receptive when you show that you're actually listening to the concerns that they actually have and not just. Mm-hmm. And, and that brings up, cause I've done, I've done a lot of traveling this year. And when I, I was speaking to, um, conventions, a lot of times I, I, I talk about that. That's what we need to start the conversation with. We need to start, we need to stop starting the conversation with talking. We need to start starting the conversation with listening. Exactly. Because we all have the same concerns. You know, Hey, can I put food on my table? Are they, how much of my taxes are they, or my check are they going to take in taxes? Um, Hey, am I going to be able to pay for healthcare? Um, is my kid going to get shipped off for war? Um, you all right. have the same concerns. Uh, and if we listen, then we can talk about how we address those concerns and how our answers might be better on how to address those concerns. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if Stephen Covey was a libertarian or not uh, or what he was, but one thing I love about his book, you know, it's such a, a great guide, I think, that libertarians can use when it comes to campaigning which the seven habits of highly effective people I've convinced so many people using that strategy, using those steps and <laughs> joining the libertarian movement. And the, the key one is always understand before being understood. And mm-hmm. that one is the step that like wins it all, you know, after that, it, the, it really is the, uh, so, so many people, don't listen to listen. They listen to respond. Right. And that's not listening and understanding. They're, you know, they're busy thinking about what their response is going to be, which is taking away from being able to understand. Uh, and honestly, one of the best people I've ever seen at it, uh, and I'm going to give a shout out here, um, is Alex from mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, you know, vice chair of the party, uh, I followed him on Facebook for a very long time and reached out to him and became friends that way. And then we both got elected to LNC at the same time. And that was great. And I love working with him. And he really is just fantastic at listening and understanding and, and then taking that and turning it into an effective conversation. Absolutely. And I, I just think that's the best strategy to go with instead of, um, just making noise, you know, yeah, that might draw some attention, but it doesn't necessarily bring positive attention to just talk oh, yeah. or just there's a, there's a big difference between attention and positive attention and long-term and short-term i mean if we just want a short-term attention we could run d's nuts for president and yeah. uh do that like, <laughs> yeah what i think it was south carolina or north carolina they got 16 percent right. somebody has some high really stupid number right um uh, but nobody but if you run that person as a candidate your party is never going to be taken seriously again. Exactly. You know, and, uh, so I, I really, my goals for this party 
are very long term. I mean, what I, I want short term games as well. Uh, but my goals for this party are for us to be long term and dominant American politics for decades and centuries, not for, you know, two years. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's great. And that's one of the reasons why I really like, uh, you and Kim in this run. And I want to go back really quick to immigration because there was something that I read on your website and Kim mentions about pardoning, which could be a very negative thing for maybe more of the conservative side to just pardon illegals. What is, what's the strategy there? And how would you convince conservatives that that's a, a reasonable plan to resolve immigration issues? How would we convince conservatives is the hard part of that. Um, honestly, I would use the same strategy I used to talk about marijuana. This is that they're already here. Right. It's already, they're already here. Um, we can, we can let them come in. We can take advantage of the fact that they're here and that they're willing to do lots of jobs and work very hard and do all that and hopefully keep them and, and have productive members of society right. versus your illegals, which they claim are not productive members of society. We know that's not true, but that's their image. Right. Uh, so you kind of have to approach it from their angle, um, even though it's not true. Um, and you can, you can argue with them all day, but you're not going to convince them that it's not true. Right. You know, it's that, or the, that they're not stealing your jobs. I, I had a huge argument one time when I was living in Arizona with a guy. I walked up to a Walmart and he was standing outside Walmart in Arizona, Cottonwood, Arizona, screaming, immigrants go home, quit taking our jobs and illegals go home and screaming stuff right. like that. And I was working in Arizona at the time, obviously, and I was working in a resort and, uh, I went up to him and I went, let me ask you a question. And he was like, what? No, that's a serious. I, said, I just want to ask you a question. What do you do for a living? And he was a construction worker. And I said, okay, so your life's goal was not to be a dishwasher. <laughs> and he went, what does that have to do with it? And he said, or a bus boy. He goes, right. no. I said, I said, because when they come here illegally, they're coming here taking these jobs. It's all they can get. Right. Um, yeah, there are, do, do some of them take, you know, more higher paying jobs? Absolutely. But, you know, when you live in a state like Arizona, that's where you see most of the illegal immigrants working. And I right. even hate to use that term, but because that's what people use, I'm trying to use a term that they'll understand, even if I don't agree with it, just like I still use assault weapons. Right. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, um, because that's, you know, those are the jobs they can get. And all they're trying to do is same thing as you and I. Just, um, and that's the other thing I've used is, um, if I'm here in the, in, in the United States and I'm having trouble getting a job that pays enough to support my family and to provide education for my family. And I've got a choice of my family living in this crappy house over here in a bad neighborhood, dealing with all kinds of problems. And I can't make any money. Um, but I'm legal or I have to, you know, all I have to do is cross an imaginary line. Mm -hmm. and I can make my family and my children so much better off. Am I not going to make that choice? I mean, it's kind uh, of a no brainer. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I've actually, um, 
I've told some of you there there was an article I don't know a few months back about how Cuba has a, a vaccine for lung cancer or something like that. I don't know whether it was true or not, right? Um, but I used it as an example because if my family, if my dad comes down with lung cancer and he can't immigrate to Cuba or visit Cuba legally to get it, am I going to worry about breaking the law, or am I going to try and get my dad? A vaccine for lung cancer right you know uh, that's i mean that you know they're not that's the choice these people are making they're they're looking exactly. at okay hey, i can make a good life for my family who would not make that decision right and yeah, why all, yeah. and why why would you punish somebody for that to for that decision for right. that decision exactly and it's frustrating because I've heard, you know, and I even heard this from libertarians, right? I had a mini debate over social media about this, right? And this is a, a libertarian. He's, he doesn't agree with uh, open borders, which is fine, um, you know. In the real world, I, I I get it. We can't just have people just bum rushing into the United States, you know, right. freely. That would be my utopia. But... You know, his thing is, well, all these immigrants are coming in and they're taking advantage of the welfare system. And it's patently, patently false. But. It, it is. It absolutely is. And my issue with it, you know, I t and I told him, I was like, OK, he was happy that uh, President Trump made the decision that they're not going to renew visas and, and green cards for anybody that has ever used any of the welfare programs. Right. And he was happy that these people are not going to be able to abuse the welfare system anymore and that they're going back home. And I was like, okay, as a libertarian, shouldn't you be more upset that there's, there is a welfare system that allows anybody to use it? You know, shouldn't you be more concerned about shutting down the welfare system or making it more stringent than about an immigrant using it? And if they're using it, it's because they absolutely have to, because if they are here, they're usually exploited into jobs that they get paid barely anything to survive. And if the government mm -hmm. is like, hey, here you go, here's a free cookie, are you not going to take that cookie? Right. And the, well, and the other, okay, hey, you're worried about illegal immigrants doing it. You know, I mean, or, or legal immigrants or whatever. I mean, you're right. worried about immigrants taking advantage of welfare. What about the people that have been on welfare in the United States for six and eight generations? Exactly. The, uh, you know, we turn around and we teach people, don't feed the bears at the park because they'll become dependent, <laughs> you know, hey, yogi. Uh, but then the government does it and, uh, and people don't see that, that they actually do that to buy your vote and make you dependent on the government. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, the Democrats have been successful at that for decades. Oh, we're going to you. Know, we're going to support your welfare program. Why, what are they doing? They're using our tax money to buy their vote. Right. That's what they're doing. Absolutely. You know, and the Republican Party has its own strategy in that uh, keeping us. You know, the Democratic Party does it too with the the military industrial complex. But that's more of the Republicans' like forte is keeping us dependent on these imaginary threats sometimes. And keeping us in mm -hmm. these foreign wars, so that way we continue paying taxes for, you know, buying more guns, buying more missiles, buying more bombs, planes, aircraft carriers, and keeping us dependent mm -hmm. on that fear. And it's oh. 
fear is powerful and, and they use it all the time and they create all these i mean yeah they've gotten people to sign off their rights under the patriot act they use fear to, to support civil asset forfeiture which is patently unconstitutional not to mention just wrong uh see and they use these fears and you know and you know just to step back a minute it you know the Democrats support the military industrial complex just fine when they're in power. Oh yeah. They just oppose it when the Republicans are in power and vice versa. You know, I mean, right. you notice, I mean, Donald Trump sure changed his tune when he became elected president, when before he was campaigning on, well, we need to, you know, and he was calling Obama out for not bringing the troops home. And right. now all of a sudden the troops still aren't coming home. Yeah. And it, it's just, you know, they keep using that fear and you know, Hitler, used that strategy. Mussolini used that strategy. It's been used for, you know, so many years. I mean, the Catholic churches used it for, you know, 2000 years. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you know, Oh, let's be afraid of somebody else. Yeah. And because, you know, and all you got to do is find some difference, you know, uh, Hitler used it against the Jews and the gypsies and everybody. Uh, it's, you know, uh, it's just, Stop being afraid, people. You know, guess what? That Muslim down the corner, he doesn't want to bomb your house. Nope. He wants to come home, take care of his family, feed his kids just like you do. Absolutely. And people just don't understand. Every time we go into another country and do these regime changes, we did nothing good. It has become nothing, worse. Nothing. Yeah, uh, we make matters worse and we create more terrorists. I mean, we just bombed. Uh, what, we bombed a wedding and killed forty people, and then and then turned around a couple days later and and did and and just another horrendous one just like that. And I'm like, this is how we create terrorists, people. That's how people end up hating us. Why do they hate us? Why do they want to kill Americans? Well, because we're out there killing uh, innocent children. Yeah, and the and you wonder, and then they go, oh, they're over there protecting our freedom, really? Because last I checked, my freedom wasn't over that. Right. Exactly. You know, like, you know, and, uh, do you really think that Iraq is going to send a huge army out here to the United States to to take away our freedoms? No. Right. And and last I checked, uh, we were doing they were doing a perfectly fine job of taking away our freedoms here under the guise of protecting us and safety. Exactly. You know, the whole he who would give up uh, he would give up freedom for safety quote is you know just so on the money. I I yeah. Anyway, it hits home every time I see it. So. You know, something that I notice about people is, in I have this discussion a lot, especially a lot lately. Uh, people hold this the office of presidency as this like they they see it as the overall throne. They're the ones that are the the president is the one that's making the laws. The president is the one that is going to resolve everything. The president is the one that you know. And we have, they do, and it's not supposed to be that way. Government of the people, by the people. That's you know, people keep asking me, you know, like one of the biggest questions we get asked is about experience. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, well, you know, how can you do this if you don't have experience? Well, what kind of experience do you want? Right. Do you want experience running a business? Do you want experience coming home and and having to pay that property tax bill and knowing how much it cuts into your bill, how much that tax comes out of your paycheck? How would, you know, how these negative policies affect your family every day? Or do you want that experience, you know, and actually how it affects your, the people every day? Or do you want some rich guy that's used to taking bribes and lobbyist money and selling out the special interests? Which experience do you want? 
Right. Exactly. And when are when is the people when is the people going to hold themselves accountable? Right. Like they want to put all this decision making and all this power into the 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 office of president when the power is yours. It's the power of the people. It should be yours. And the power of the people should be the responsibility. There's there's two issues. Uh, First of all, we have seen, you know, I've watched this change as I grew up. Um, You know, I'm old enough to remember before this was a thing, but we have continually taught people to not take responsibility for their ourselves. Right. Uh, And then we turn around and we use that same fear. And, oh, you know, if, you know, they're going to, if we vote Republican, if we vote for the third party, the uh, they're gonna Trump's gonna win. If we vote third party, Hillary's gonna win. You know what? All those kind of things, and use that same fear to control us and right. to make us dependent on them and to de- protect them or to, for them to protect us. When really, most of the things they're doing are hurting us exactly. every day. So, and with that, you know. It goes back to now, well, Congress is not being held accountable now because that's how the people are supposed to be represented, but we're giving all the power to the president. So Congress just doesn't feel like they have to do anything. They just play along oh, and yeah, that's, yeah, blame I totally the president. Lost that point. I went on a tangent. I completely lost that point about the president's office. That's not how it's supposed to be. The Constitution very strictly limits the president's power so that you don't have that. And we keep giving them more and more power and this whole war powers act that they're trying to say that they're working under right now the last time we actually declared war was 1942 right the uh you know, we didn't actually you know even this iraq and all that that was authorization for military action it's not a declaration of war we right. you know technically are not even supposed to be at war and yet they keep giving oh well you know the war powers war power let us take you know let us spy on you. Let us take your money. Let's, you know, and, you know, let none of which, all of which is a lie in right. order for them to just stuff more power in and make us more dependent on them. Right. And limit it to a select few of people, uh, you mm-hmm. know, because we've, the Congress really has no credibility anymore with the people. They, they're mm-hmm. not doing their job. Uh, they're, you know, and yet people go out and still vote them in every time. Exactly. If I had a 20% approval rate at my job, well, I, uh, I can't say this cause I own my own business, but well, actually I can say this, if I had a 20% approval rate at my job, I would go out of business. Exactly. If I worked for somebody else and had a 20% approval rate, I would get fired. Absolutely. For Congress, people's the same thing, you know, yeah, well, it's like the last election. If none of the above or, or did not vote was a candidate, that candidate would have won because <laughs> more than more than 50 percent of the population did not go out and vote because they either did. They don't feel like their vote matters because right. they're, you know, and or they, they don't feel like it changes anything or they just can't stand any of the candidates. I right. mean, that's we had the two most unpopular candidates in history the last election. And the only reason that either one of them could get votes is because they all both worked on, if you don't vote for me, that guy will win. Right. And then that's why I really, I mean, realistically, the margin of vote difference was very small. Right. You know, half the people were like, yeah, you're right. I don't want her. Half the other half people were like, you're right. I don't want him. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, you brought that up because I, I talked about, well, Jake Gutowitz, who's running for county legislator uh, in Nassau County. He's running on the libertarian ticket. And his strategy is to try to get the people that did not go out and vote, which was more than the people that actually went to vote. Right. And that's like to me, that's the golden goose right there is if we can convince the people that didn't vote to all vote and vote for you, that you, you would win in with the landslide. So that's, I mean, that's, that's how Obama won his, his election. They did right. an amazing job of getting out and getting people to turn out to vote. Right. Uh, you know, Which was um, the strategy that AOC went to go do as well, and she mm-hmm. did great at it. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. <laughs> all she did, and, and really, here's the thing. When AOC got elected, all she had to do was convince people that she cared. Right. And all, and convince them that she cared more than the other person. Right. She didn't have to sell her policies. She didn't have to, you know, people were voting because she knocked on their door. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I see that, but, you know, you can come knock <laughs> on my door all you want. You might be trying to sell me, a, you know, sell me a $10,000 roof. I, you right. Know, <laughs> uh, which, you know, or a, you know, $30 trillion new green deal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we like to say we need to educate the voter, and there's some truth to that. But really what we need to do is inspire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like, you know, I, I like to think that Kim does an excellent job of that. I don't, I mean, she gave an amazing speech at the 2016 National Convention. Right. Every time she talks to people, they come away getting inspired. I, I wish I was as good at it as she is. So, what's the deal with libertarians, right? Normally, they they tend to, once they see that things are getting shaky in the libertarian party and it doesn't look like we're going to win, we automatically go to the third party, right? And that's I saw that happen during the 2016 election. You know, once things got rocky with uh, Gary Johnson, they decided to go with Trump, right? And a lot of libertarians ended up voting for Trump. And their thing was. Oh, yeah, but interestingly, though, a lot of libertarians ended up building for Hillary too. I mean, even uh, 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 Pendulette right. admitted that he voted for Hillary. He says, I, "I feel dirty doing it, but I couldn't stand Trump." Right. Yeah. So it, once again, it was fifty-fifty that way too, really close. I mean, you hear all the ones talking about Trump, and there are libertarians that still support Trump. He's the most libertarian president in history. And that's what I was going to bring up, and yet he's making uh bump stocks illegal he is looking to get uh ban vaping um, bans are not libertarian exactly um, yet they'll i still believe defend in taking the guns first and due process second is not libertarian right you exactly. know <laughs> yeah you know i believe in bombing the crap out of brown people overseas is not libertarian absolutely what can we do to try to convince these small l libertarians to stop swinging that way and try to focus on the task at hand of knocking the Republican and Democrat party out of the picture or one, at least one of them out of the picture. There's, there's a couple different things. I mean, the first thing is overcoming that fear. Um, and some of that's you, you, you know, okay. I hate to say it, but sometimes you got to communicate, you know, fight fire with fire a little bit and right. say, okay, are you, yeah, what are you more scared of? Because at this point, I'm more scared of how 
the government keeps infringing on our rights and the Republican party keeps letting them. Right. Uh, uh, you know, you, you say you're for these rights. That's great. Um, when was the last time the Republican party actually really and truly stood up for the second amendment? When was the last time they really and truly stood for small government? Now, I mean, there are lots of people in the Republican party that do actually still believe those things. I like to, everybody talks about classical liberalism, you know, and they forget about classical conservatism, um, which, which is small government and, and all those kind of things. Uh, And so it's, you know, it's approaching them and saying, okay, hey, does that party even still represent you? I mean, how many people were never Trump last election? Lots and lots and still are. And that's why the voter turnout was so low. Right. Um, Does that party still represent you? What do you believe? Uh, You know, a lot of them are like, well, okay, well, we believe in, you know, and they might believe in things that are not very libertarian. Right. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, I mean, I know that, uh, the borders thing is a sticking point for a lot of Republicans. We have to discuss with them. Okay. Hey, not that they're wrong, that they've been sold a bill of goods, right? You know, people, you know, people don't like to be told they're wrong, but when you tell them they've been lied to that, you know, that people are more willing to believe that, especially from a politician, right? Uh, the uh, and so I mean so that's my approach really um, when I'm talking to Republicans all the time, um, yeah I talk to them constantly about marijuana legalization or LGBT rights or things like that. Uh, but that's, you know our strategy right now is is that we plan to go very grassroots, and so say uh, uh, who was it you were just talking about that's running for county? Uh, Jake uh, Gutwitz. Right. Uh, say he calls us up and says, hey. I want to have an event. I know you're going to be at the California convention and I want to have an event a day before or a day after. Uh, can you come? Yes. Yes, right. we can come. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously there's some limitations based on funding and travel and, uh, you know, we only got so much time in the day and all those kind of things. Uh, but that, I mean, our focus is on supporting those down ticket candidates and that does two things. One, if that down ticket candidate say is having trouble getting some media coverage, um, and we see this all the time, uh, uh, I just used this in Cash Jackson's campaign. Actually, they were um, having, we were, you know, Cash was getting some media coverage, but we were having trouble getting some of the other candidates some coverage. So I had Cash come down to Decatur and do an event. I contacted the media, and I said, "Oh, and by the way, these local candidates will be here too." Nice. And then all the, you know, so all of a sudden we had the media there. And okay, while we're there, we'll cover the local candidate. Right. We'll ask the local candidate some questions. And the local candidates can use that. Say, hey, you know, yeah, we're having an event. We'd love to have you. Um, we're also having a presidential candidate here. You're right. having a what? You know, and uh, yeah, that can make a big difference for a local candidate. And if you get that happening in enough places, then not only does it help the local candidates, but all of a sudden you've got. This local affiliate uh, news affiliate, this local news affiliate, this local news affiliate, picking up these stories, and that's what brings the national chains along and says, "Okay, well, ten affiliates are running the story. Maybe we should look at this." Right. Um, you know, and so you can build from the ground up that way, and so that that's part of our strategy. It's not all of it. We don't want to give away all our secrets this early in the game. But. <laughs> Absolutely, no, I understand that. So I want to 
pick a little bit on the Libertarian Party. We picked a, on the Democrats and we did, and we picked on the Republicans. I'm I'm normally very critical about the Libertarian Party because I am a Libertarian. I think it's important to be a little bit self-critical. And honestly, I think a lot of Libertarians are harder on the Libertarian Party than they are on the Democrats <laughs> I know, and Republicans. Right? I've talked quite a bit with I even talked in his show with Kevin Warmhold uh, on the uh, American Liberty podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he he's pretty critical as well of the Libertarian Party. Uh, being a Libertarian, we're, we eat our own, definitely. Oh, and for sure. One thing that me and him agree that the Libertarian Party is not really good at fundraising and especially fundraising during the off season. Oh, for sure. And I don't know if it's because we all get very busy. Like you said, most I mean, most Libertarians are not from rich backgrounds, you know, despite the fact that they think we're all living on Coke money. I know. Right. (laughs) You know, Uh, um, if the surviving Coke brother would like to send me a check, I will happily give him my address. There you go. And he definitely should, you know. And we we do have a few rich libertarians, and I feel like they're not doing enough for the party. You know, that's another thing. And well, there's... the ones that are doing enough, and I'll let you respond on that. Uh, the ones that are doing enough, we can't do as much because we're not rich. We're not like people from, you know, wealthy. We, we're either small business owners. We're either, in my case, I'm a middle class, middle management. And, you know, I don't make enough to step away from that and risk, you know, the survival of my family to dedicate full time during off season to help fundraise. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what can we do all together and, you know, stop this divisiveness within the party and get together and try to help one another? Well, the first thing is uh, we can all join the unity caucus, uh, which a few of us started a couple years back. And we we tend to we the Unity Caucus actually tends to be very quiet in non-election season because election season is really brings out the divisiveness. Right. And our kind of, our our goal is really okay. Hey, once we select a candidate, let's all get behind him. I mean, now I understand that you know principles and you know hey you know, but the truth of the matter is is that if we actually select a libertarian candidate, uh, we all ought to be fairly good in line. I mean, you know, Larry Sharp talks about the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's some people, uh, you know, some people have some really, you know, different takes on that. And they're like, okay, I'm a single issue voter. And if you don't support me on this issue or that issue, I can't support you no matter what, even if you've got the big L beside your name. The first thing is we all need to realize is we're so far from anywhere where that makes a difference. Right. That yeah. us fighting amongst ourselves is really, I mean, I like to liken it to take, we're all on the same bus. Okay. We're all trying to get somewhere over here. Some of us are trying to get here. Some of us are trying to get here. Some of us are trying to get over here. But right now we're way over here. I'm sorry. You can't probably see my hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so some of us are, yeah, we're starting way over here. Some of us are want to get off here. Some of us want to get off here. Some of us want to take a right turn here. Some of us want to take a left turn there, but we're all way back here. Right. So, um, so let's look at the, I mean, let's pick a controversial topic, uh, abortion. Right. Okay. We're so far from that being the only topic that it, why are we fighting over it? Exactly. 
we are so far from that right now. I mean, you know, whether you want it to be states' right issues or whether you, how about we just get to the fact that we all agree on the fact that whether we're pro-choice or pro-life, the government shouldn't pay for it. Exactly. Right. So let's start with that. We all agree on that. Mm-hmm. So, and at the be- and that's probably the best we can hope to accomplish anytime soon. Exactly. If Kim and I, if Kim and I got elected tomorrow, and were I don't know, pick a side, pro-choice or pro-life. I mean, obviously, pro-choice is already the law of the land, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So let's pick the other side. Let's say, say we decided tomorrow that we were pro-life and we got elected. Do you think that there's any possibility at all that we could get anything more than the government won't pay for abortions on the table? Exactly. So why are we fighting about it? Let's unite behind this candidate. Right. We talk about fear. And I talk to a lot of my friends and I have friends that are Democrats, Republicans, uh, all walks of life. And, you know, I, I, I try to ask them, like, I have a friend, she, she's gay, she's, uh, married to her partner, and, you know, she's constantly fighting for LGBT rights and, um, all these things that I keep telling her, hey, these are libertarian ideals. These are liberty ideas, right? Mm -hmm. To, to fight for rights, equal rights for everybody. And I was like, why is it so hard for you to want to, like, Consider the Libertarian Party, who has always fought for everyone's rights. And I finally got the answer that I suspected, and is I'm afraid that if I vote, if I, I change from being a Democrat, that the Republicans will win and take away my rights. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and then and you they, get yeah, it from yeah. the other side as well. And mm-hmm. it's just that, and that fear comes from the mainstream media that uh, puts it out there. The two parties, they want people to be afraid. So they will give up rights because mm-hmm. when she votes Democrat, she's giving up rights. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She has different rights than, you know, she you know, different rights than she's worried about. Exactly. But she's still giving up rights. We actually supported it since our inception in 1971. And our first presidential candidate in 1972 was a gay man. <laughs> there you go. That's how pro LGBT we are. I, Absolutely. I the, the, uh, That's a good point. And, and you talk about, but they're scared. They're scared. And they, and you know, I understand the fear, but the truth of the matter is, is if we could stop, Oh, these Republicans are anti-gay. Are they? Some of them. Right. Guess what? I know some Democrats that are too. Absolutely. Um, but the vast majority of Republicans, I know that's the last thing on their list that they care about. Absolutely. It's getting late over there. It's getting late over here. I am going to go ahead and end this amazing conversation. This was great. Uh, again, great honor, great privilege. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to your guys' campaign. I really hope this is me talking you know, for myself. I really hope you and Kim get the uh, the nomination, and um, I definitely am going to be there rooting for you guys. I would. I let me just. I've been doing this for a year now, over a year, and uh, you know the the, the uh, it's an honor to talk to you. Thing still bugs me a little bit. I actually think it's the other way around. 
Um, it is, it's an honor for me to be able to go in front of all of these people and talk to different people and say, and, and hear what they've got to say and, and give my responses back and to go around and meet all of you and talk to all of you, whether I get the nomination or not, that has been one of the greatest honors of my life is just to be able to, for, to, for people to just listen to me. Absolutely. You know, thank we you. talked about listening. So the, uh, so thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for that. Ladies and gentlemen, our future vice president of the United States of America. Oh, and, and don't forget to don't forget to donate at www.ruffphillips2020.com. There you go. I was about to ask. Let's go ahead and give a plug in. You know, follow John on Twitter as well. I think I'm following you on Twitter. I hope so. It, uh, if not, I'm um, going to my, get off and do that right now. And my uh, handle, my Twitter handle is a little odd, but yeah, I mean, you can follow the campaign at, at @ruffphillips. My personal Twitter is at h e t t i l. It's an old gamer tag. <laughs> Which game is that for? I was uh, for uh, EverQuest. There you go. Uh, more reasons to vote for you. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much again for being on Pace and Freedom. Thank you.